welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Para Podcast. Uh, as usual, we've got Bertie and Ham joining me, but uh, Hamish is still on strike and refuses to rejoin the podcast until Murata Niakori is back in the Ford pack, I hear. So <laughs> another week, no Hamish, unfortunately. Um, but yes, he has some very important um, IRL responsibilities at the moment, and we do look forward to him coming back, don't we, boys? He's in the International Rugby League, is he? <laughs> He's run, running the um, IRL, yep. What what is oh, the yeah. it's the ROIF, isn't it? Is the um the actual international body. I think so. Yeah, the Rugby League International Federation. But yeah, Hamish is on the on the panel above that, the IRL. So he will be back at some point and we do hope that he is back as speed in a speedy manner as possible. But until then, we've got the maniacs running the asylum. Uh Bertie, how you doing, champ? Yeah, I'm a bit pissed. You know, yeah. I'm a bit pissed off. We're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let you get into that one soon. Oh yeah, but um <laughs> been alright, but uh yeah. And Ham, how you doing, brother? Um, seen better days, feeling a little bit better than uh, I was. Yeah, uh, the Queenslander, Pete Murray. I've seen better days. Dun, 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 dun. I've got Broncos National Anthem. <laughs> At the moment, it's definitely their club song. Ooh, all right. Uh, we got a bit to break down with the Eels' first loss of the season, so let's get into it, boys. The Parramatta Eels 12 lost to the St. George Illawarra Dragons 26 on Sunday night out at Bankwest Stadium. Weather was good. Conditions were fine. The Eels were not. Uh, so try scorers for the Eels, Isaiah Papali'i and Quinton Gufferson. Moses going two for two from the tee for the Dragons. Jack Bird, a Matt Duffy double, and Michaeli Ravalawa got on the board with Zach Lomax, like Moses, flawless from the kicking tee. Lomax also added a penalty goal to his uh, personal tally, and Tarek Sims was sin-binned. Uh, in terms of team stats, give me one second, the Dragons sort of narrowly came out ahead on both possession and time of possession, 51% to 49%, and just over a minute in advantage for time of possession. Uh, they completed 83%, the Parramatta 72%, and then they won. Well, interesting. They they won the all runs, but they actually lost the all meters. So the Eels being more efficient than their opponents on a per-run basis again, as with last week. But unfortunately, the Eels could not capitalize on that uh, with the Dragons running away with the game on the back of that early lead that they built up. So where do we start with this one, boys? Because when I wrote about this for TCT, um, you know, I noted that A, the Dragons were far more enthusiastic than the Eels, and that sort of laid that initial platform. But B, it felt like the blemishes that had marred uh, three of our four victories at the start of the season versus the Broncos, versus the Sharks, and versus the Tigers, they came to the forefront again. We went sideways before we played uh, played direct. Uh, we had a little bit of um, lapses in defenses, uh, lapses in the defense rather, not defenses. And uh, just at key moments, just we, we couldn't take control of the game and we sort of became our own worst enemies. Absolutely. I think that uh, when we had the ball sort of 20 to 20, we looked all right. We we're making meters. We we're making good meters. Uh, once we got inside that twenty, I think that the Dragons' um, defensive tactics got to us. I think that score a bit of scoreboard pressure got to us, and we saw that uh, we was going for the big plays. Um, you know, case in point, Moses uh, throwing a cutout pass to Mike Acevo. Yeah, who had to um, leap a meter and a half in the air just get his fingers on it. Yeah, where if he goes through the hands there, it's the safer option, but it's also the try scoring option. Um, I think with the way that the pass was, uh, just the way it floated and everything, I think the cover defense would have got to Micah anyway, whereas if they went the hands, you had Dylan Brown there, you had Opacic there, and you had uh, Sivo there. Um, it was basically four on none. So uh, I think Mitch could have gone through the hands there. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Forty will elaborate on this. 
Ferguson going for the sideline oh. every single time he gets the ball. It, it's every time, man. Every time. You can take a tackle and dive 45 degrees to your left back in field. You do not have to gun it for the try line down the sideline every single possession. Absolutely. Um, as I, the, I know you said before uh, going side to side. I think that, you know, obviously we have seen that in the past. In this game, I think our hand was a bit forced well, the, in that credit, regard. Credit to the Dragons. They beat up on our starting pack. They came out with fire and brimstone. They rode the whistle. Was it uh, Atkins was the referee that week? I think. Yeah. Um, and you know, eventually he had to he had to send Tarek Sims off, but he he actually had the right to send a second player off in the bin during that period because they just kept I slowing think he down. Had a second or third. Yeah, they just kept slowing down, and he called six agains. You do not call six agains after you've penalised them for slowing down and and bin the man. You bin the second person. But yeah, the, uh, the referees won't do that anymore, just because. Uh, it's, the old it's unfair. The media will come out and go, oh, they influence yeah, the game. It's, it's well, quote unquote what? unfair. By not blowing the six again and by not blowing the penalty and by not sending players off, you're also influencing the game. But the, this isn't a shot on the Dragons because they clearly had a game plan and they, they, they took a chance and that, that paid off handsomely for them. So credit to Griffin and their forward pack because they could have easily have folded if they didn't you know, come out with that sort of intent. And unfortunately for the Eels, and we spoke about this on the podcast about some concerns about the bench being a little bit too light in the middle due to like you know force personnel changes due um, on account of injuries. But I think that caught up to us this week. Um, you know we had Oregon Kafusi as the only recognised middle on the bench, and with Papali'i forced to the edges once again because Ryan Madison's concussion. Um, we we obviously tried to rotate Papa into the middle rotation at some point, but and I think Sean Lane also spent time there too. But it, it just wasn't enough. And we in that period where we needed to really take control of the ruck and have that counterpunch after soaking up the pressure and conceding a couple of tries, we couldn't do it. We, we, we couldn't play north-south and lay the platform for Moses and Brown and Gufferson on the edges. I just just going back to the referee, um, we saw in the trial match that we played against the Dragons, they conceded 15, five penalties and the referee gave away 16 ruck like infringements. That, yeah. And we all know they were for holding down. So obviously that's going to be the Dragons um, – Defensive tactic yeah. for the year. Uh, you know, if they can get away with it, good on them because the referees aren't going to do anything. I don't think that – I think if a second referee was there, we might have seen a few more. Obviously, in that game, it backfired because the referee was willing to blow, uh, call six again and that's when Parramatta were able to get on top through that. Um, I'm not sure if it'll happen in first grade, but I think that also forced our hand having Reed throw those 20-meter cutout passes – you know, we're trying to get out on the edge, try and get one-on-one on one against the defense, try and generate a quick play of the ball from that instance. But uh, I just think, yeah, our ruck speed was too slow, whether that be it, of our own volition or it felt uh, like the Dragons' the, defensive. That was the practice. plan B, and maybe the Eels needed a plan C. That, you know, Reed Money's obviously got a brilliant bullet pass off the ground. That's We've used that to advantage against plenty of teams. And that was our, you know, our countermeasure to try and, you know, attack against the set defensive line because of the slowdowns. But at the same time, they also managed to just, you know, push up and in and out to wrap us up for the most part. And we needed something else, whether it's kicking early or, you know, maybe being a little bit more, uh, I don't know, like maybe more ball play between the forwards through the middle. I don't know. But we, we needed a plan C on Sunday night and we didn't have it. Well, I was going to just point out there, uh, our first try come off. Nathan Brown to Zaya Papali. Nathan Brown just running hard back on the angle from the ruck and then using his footwork and ball playing ability for Papa to get one-on-one with, it was a set defensive line. They were on their line. So there's no reason why that try should have been scored. It was purely because Nathan Brown ran hard, made a decision what he was going to do, and executed it. Whereas 
uh, I think our, the rest of our spine, in particular Mitchell, um, sort of tried to do what he did against the Tigers where you can do – and the thing is you can do that against a defense like the Tigers because they're not as good. But against a team like the Dragons – You've got to be able to recognize you know, and you identify. Can't, you can't do that light-stepping, come at me and I'll react to you. You've got to force the issue with that one. Mm. Bertie, how did you see this one? Because I know you're unhappy and you alluded to in the intro to this podcast, but what were your main takeaways in our first loss? Um, just like us on the podcast, the Parramatta pack underestimated uh, the Dragons pack. You know, let's we, when we previewed this last week, we, we focused on Lomax and Ravalava and dismissed their pack. No, that's fair. Fancy getting bashed by a washed-up uh, Vaughn, Alvaro, who we let go, who could barely crack a spot into our team, Trent Merrin, like, we all bash. As simple as that. The only one... That sort of took the initiative to like, and I'm not downplaying the uh, our team. Like, is Brown? He's the one that had a bit of mongrel, but we'll simply bashed. Like, it's just as simple as that. And um, uh, just like you you said it. Like when the Dragons scored their first try, they had back to back sets. Right? They didn't rush anything. They took their time. Right? They scored on the fourth. They suck. They sucked us in. You know, dragged us into the middle of the field, and then they. Two beautiful cutout passes and ex- from them. exposed Murata a little bit out at the centres. Yeah, which is one of the concerns so, that we had. You know, with Murata being out there, and he, although he's done a very admirable job, yeah. there, there are times when there is nuance in defence you just do not have unless you have 100 games or 50 games at centre, and he hasn't got that. Yeah, and, so and like that's what we had to do. Like you look at, you, you spoke about the pass to Sivo. Just suck it. Just you know, they're, they're one man down. Let's look, be sort of honeypot. Bring them closer in. Then you can throw it out. But, like, what were you, what were you hoping for? He's going to catch it. Okay, he's catching it. By the time he comes back down to ground level, he's going to get hit. So just sucking them in. Like, that's it's just simple simple football when you're one man up. Sucking them in and trying to make the overlap. Don't whip it out. Like, I just – and it's, we just had to score. And, you know, like, last week we did the same thing. And, you know, evolved, and it was West Tigers. So we got lucky against them, you know. West Tigers are a basket case. But – this is the dragon side's playing well, and they've increased. They've they've te- stepped up their intensity each week, and you know we we slow starters this year. Like besides, um, I don't think what what game have we started off quick besides the Tigers game. Like every game we've either tra- trailed or it's been slow, and you can't give teams cheap possession and easy leg ups. And it's just yeah, it's just I'm gonna you know sum it up. We got bashed and we rushed. We were flustered, even though like and it's exactly what Mike Tyson says. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> Very we true. got punched in the mouth. He usually he probably says it in a bit weird, you know, like with, with his with his lisp. Yeah. But yeah, we got, we had a plan, and then we got punched in the mouth, and we folded like a deck of cards. So yeah, and well, you, you don't want to. Oh no, go for you. No, no, oh, you go, mate. I was going to segue. I into know, I was just going to say that you know, going back at that, what Birdie said about the sin bin. Imagine if we had scored that second try while Tarek was still in the bin. How different the game is. Yeah. No, the, there is a huge sliding doors moment in that game where if we don't, you know, show impatience and we get that second try, that arguably the Dragons are the ones that fold because momentum is completely against them. Well, you, well you never- was, it, was it before or after that uh, they come back for that no try where Dylan broke through? They were back to 13 on 13 at that point, I believe, where, where Dylan breaks through and there's an incidental obstruction from Junior Paulo that to the letter of the law – uh, is an obstruction. So I'm, I'm not too upset about that, even though he was clearly never going to influence the play defensively. But yeah. Um, you only have to look at look at the Tigers game, right? And I hate praising them or whatever, talking about them. But when they had momentum and they thought they were going to win, like they're all going for, straight from kickoff. They'll go march, their, march way down there and score. That's what you have to do and build. Then when you start having two or three good sets, then you can start whipping it out. Not just because you score one, oh, you know, let's just... You've got to work hard. Like just... 
and if, if we score that second try, you know, I guarantee we score a third, we score a fourth, and then the drag. And by the time Tarek Sims come on, the game's completely changed and we're up two tries. So Which, just- this all leads me to where my final talking point for this game was because I don't want to spend too long lingering on a, mm-hmm. a game where we're pretty much out and foos and, and then shot ourselves in the foot. But you don't like to put the boot in, but that comeback was snuffed by some pretty poor individual efforts. Um, you know, Guffo sort of started the rot earlier in the game when he dropped the ball when he was dropped on his head and the referee somehow missed it. But I, I sort of give Guffo a pass because he's Guffo and does so much. But I look at the team and I, I see Blake Ferguson, I see Sean Lane and Bryce Cartwright who had his club debut and it was not a happy one. Um, some crucial errors from those three players. And I think that Fergo's actually down for four errors in this game, including the the absolute brain snap where he literally lets go of the ball to try and put his hand on touch to try and milk a penalty. So... I don't know, you, you had Lane and you had uh, Cartwright kicking in, in lieu of their halves. You had Fergo dropping the ball or trying to put his hand on the sideline. And they were all at crucial junctures in the game where we sort of got, gotten into a position for an attacking kick or an attacking play. But no, they had to take it upon themselves to try and make something happen in a miracle vac- like, you know, in a miracle setting rather than trusting any number of other key playmakers in this team. They're, they're all pass happy. Like, just tuck the ball on the arm and run hard. Yeah, like- Shaw, Shaw Lane gets into the open and, and has to force an yeah. offload. That I think and, we we dived on, but it killed the the line yeah. break. And even like Maddo, Maddo's not a you know he's he's a he does the same thing when he was playing. He you know pass happy and tries to keep the play alive. Just just think, smart football. You know we 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 have moved on from the dumb football team. You know I'm not going to name names, but we had a a bunch of dumb idiots out there who had low IQ. We are a smart team, and we've got to start thinking like that. And it just seems like old habits crept in, and you know like someone show a bit of you know brilliance out there and smart. I think that maybe. Just maybe with the way that the Dragons defended and their defensive tactic and maybe looking forward, teams might use that tactic. Maybe we need to go back. I know we don't like them, but take a bit of attacking inspiration from the 2005 Tigers where they were actively trying to find the ground, get a quick play of the ball, get it out to the halves who can wreak havoc from there. Maybe. I mean, you could you could make the argument that's the 01 Eels, right? Trying to- Very true, yes. Very true. Yeah. I think um, George Burgess said when when South won their premiership, he said, "I'd rather get to my knees quickly, like all you sexual innuendos, nothing dirty there, but I'd rather get to the ground quickly than push for like two, three yards post contact because you get to your knees, you can quickly get up and play the ball, and that's a good a good play the ball is better than a ten yard run. So like, yeah, just get up quickly and play the ball, and you know, like Sivo, I don't know." I think, the more, I think if we move on, the better because... Well, Sivo's, Sivo's in a weird spot because we're not going to our left edge that much. And when we do, he sort of gets some pretty ordinary ball. So he's he's at least getting involved with you know the early set stuff. And some of it's quality, some of it's not. Um, in terms of his overall performance, like on numbers, he was reasonable, I think. Where is it here? Yeah, he went for 16 runs, 154 metres, which is a, is a pretty good baseline. And I know that you, you want a little bit more sting consistently in his runs, but... Yeah. I don't know. With Moses, that other other trial wasn't good. He was just—he literally came up. Yeah, but Opa- and he just it, the it, guy it's like- tough because Opacic jammed, so he has—he's obliged to come in. So yeah, he he made a bad read in terms of where the ball went. But when you're sent to jams, you're meant to jam. So he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. There. Uh, just one thing on Sivo and as Blake Ferguson, Ferguson as well. I think that when you look at a kick return, this is just in general. This is in general over the past two years. When you see Clinton Gusson return the ball. He's not one of those fullbacks that can and does just charge straight into the line because he's, he's just not that sort of fullback. Um, but he, you notice, first thing he does is look left and look right. Yeah, and the, he actually had a nice pass to Sebo in this game. Um, and the opportunities are there. 
uh, Tom opportunity. Sorry, yeah, the, oppor- the opportunities are there, and yeah. those two should be more cognizant of it. I think because you're right, Ham. That Gufferson is constantly looking to exploit a, a cheating uh, kick chase, yeah. and just they're not in position because they're either thinking about the number two hit up, which is good because you do need to be thinking about the, the the tackle two hit up, but you also have to be playing heads up football. Hundred percent, and I think that you know it's probably a, a slight knock on Gutho that when he does catch the ball that he does take that split second to check the defensive line to see where a gap is or could potentially be. Now, but it can also be a huge positive, but our wingers just need to, you know, go, Gutho's looking around here. Maybe if I jump back a little bit earlier or I get back a little bit quicker, I can actually get a line break here. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even have to get the ball as well. You can even just attract a defender away from Gutho. So instead of having three defenders on him, it's only two. Like, just be there and, you know, just attract they have a defender like yeah just yeah um, I mean in, in terms of individuals worthy of praise I thought Dill had a good game ran the ball very strongly I think he's still probably guilty of not always uh, looking to his outside when the opportunity's there but in terms of running the ball if people get on his shoulders or his hips and just they're there we saw that the try that was called back he can do so much damage so I love seeing Guffo off his left hip there that was awesome uh, the other positive in this game you start in the stretch Papa Lee was very good as well um, uh, I will say that Bryce, when he doesn't do the dumb stuff, is a very damaging ball runner. So if he can just refine that game, there might be something there for the Eels, but it's going to be hard because as we saw that in that game, despite having a very solid game in the New South Wales Cup the week before, he, he sort of immediately reverted to his base instincts to force offloads. So if he can hone that somehow and, and, and dial back the need to promote the ball every time, then maybe there's something there. But yeah, it, it was a yeah, game. Every time... Every time he did an error, like with the first one, he had the next run was always good. Run, was running hard and straight. So like every time he does something wrong, he follows up with a positive. End. It's, <laughs> but, just, it's sort of like you know one step yeah. forward, you know two step back. Like just yeah, exactly. That that's a good yeah. way of describing Bryce. And so I mean I, I don't know how long his leash is in terms of uh, his first grade opportunities, but he will get another shot in round six, which isn't a bad thing. It might not be a good thing, but it isn't a bad thing. Um, but he needs to know where the limits are for his game. I feel like. Right, let's talk about some positive footy. Let's go on to a reserve grade. Yeah, so as I said, <laughs> uh, Eels 12, 4 to Dragons 26. Credit to the Dragons for turning up and playing a very uh, intense 80 minutes of football. And the Eels actually drop out of the top four as a result. Yeah, they're in fifth place with the Dragons leapfrogging, would you believe it, uh, on four and against, obviously. Um, and that will take us on to the other results this week. And it was a, a bittersweet weekend for the junior reps with all three grades posting wins, um, starting with the Tasha Gale, who had their best win of the season if I can make sure I've got the right game up first, uh, with a 30-12 to 12 win over the Cronulla Sharks in that rescheduled round seven, but actually round 10 action in the Tashigal. 30-12, uh, to 12, like I said, out at Points Bet Stadium. Ruby John Kennard, Catalina Vave, Lucy Whitehead, Talisha Pugh, Lasalio Cetapane, and Tamira Liardi all getting on the try scorers list with uh, Sama Tarare going free from six off the kicking tee. So they finished their season, if I quickly pull this up. Uh, sorry, my they finished seventh. Seventh, so just out, yeah, just outside the body top six, uh, with two wins, a draw, a bye, and five losses. So not the greatest season on paper, but it was a, a a good way to finish the season, especially with the the big result over a team that you know is in the finals now, and uh, some building blocks there for the girls moving forwards. The Mats, the only team to make the finals this year, had a very solid 30-10 victory over the Cronulla Sharks, also at Points Bet Stadium. Uh, Sam Tuavadi, Declan Murray, Charlie Geimer, Suliasa Aho, Blaze Talangi, and Raf Destratus on the try scorers, so another six try scorers there, and also three from six in the kicking tee, so uh, a little bit of a copy me you won't 
uh, going on there. Uh, Ethan Sanders, three from sixth in kicking tee. Uh, and that secures second place on the ladder for the Harold Mats and a week one bye with a play into the grand final. So they've, they're all of a sudden right in the deep end here um, with that week one bye. So let me make sure. Sorry. Yeah, so they finished uh, one win behind the Manly Seagulls, who they lost to in round one. Um, with uh, a little bit less uh, differential, a little bit, a solid differential less than the Seagulls, 162 to 120, but comfortably the second best differential in the competition. So very good season for the Eels, and their play into the grand final is just reward. Uh, Ham, we went out there to see this one, but um, that was pretty much a summation of their season, wasn't it? Just a really solid win. Yeah, I can't really comment too much, didn't really see the game, but, um, you know, despite that early loss, and I think we had a few uh, small criticisms of the team, I think we knew that, uh, and in our predictions, we sort of expected a top four finish. So um, finished as we expected. Um, yeah, having that final uh, coming in the top two and only losing to the team that come first is a really good positive. And I think that they're a much better team than they are in round that they were in round one. Yeah, if, if there is a Manly Paragrand final, it'll be an absolute barn burner because Manly's obviously got a, a very good team, but the Eels are also in a position to topple them. Absolutely. And now for the most tragic result of the weekend, one that we detailed in the preview for uh, this round seven slash round 10 game last week, the Parramatta Eels in the SG ball actually get a very comprehensive win, 54 to 18 over the Cronulla Sharks. But unfortunately, with the Canberra Raiders winning 56 to 6 over the Dragons, and more importantly, the Illawarra Steelers having a, a marginal victory over the Bears 80 to 10, at 80 to 10 in a 70-minute game, uh, the Eels managed to just miss the top six on, on for and against against the Steelers. Absolutely brutal result, but the try scorers list is a long one, and it looks like this. Uh, Peter Tatio, Tyrone Sow, Larry Muagu Tatio, Jonte Jr. Beffin Misa, Sione Tapawasi, Koevi Lamusu, Francis Fayofa Tuatino, Freeman Forsyth, and Drew Lloyd. So nine individual try scorers there. And Josh Chappell, not to be outdone by the try scorers, went nine from nine. So a perfect day off the, off the tee for Josh. And unfortunately, not, not enough to make the finals, which is brutal. But yeah, unfortunately for them, I think they've um, shown a, a fair bit of mental toughness throughout the year, which you don't usually see from nineteen-year-old uh, kids. So uh, good on them. I think that uh, in, the pre- in the predictions for this team, I, I think I predicted a lower top eight finish. Uh, we said that making the finals would be a good result for this team, based on the personnel yeah. that would not be available. And yeah, and we thought at the time there was going to be a top eight, not a top six. So. Um, I think that, you know, I think they finished probably around where I thought they would be given it's a Parramatta uh, junior reps and there's always going to be high expectations yeah. even despite the players uh, about not in the team. Um, so probably about where they finished, a little bit disappointing um, considering that they probably could have beaten the Steelers earlier on in the year, which would have massive, uh, massive implications. Yeah. So yeah. They, um, they had a game a against there. the game against Manly was winnable. The game against the Steelers was winnable. So they, they had a couple of results that could easily have swung the other way, which didn't, which has obviously dictated them missing the finals. But it's not the end of the line for a lot of these kids. Um, looking at this team, you know, Josh Tupolotu, maybe Tyrone Sal, Jabril Kalachi, Josh Chappell, the big hyphen, Jonte, uh, Peter Tatio. Yep. Uh, even, even maybe a Jock Brazel. Yeah, exactly. There's, his way into there's a, a whole stack of kids that could be, uh, you know, auxiliary talents in the Jersey flag this year as they get sort of their feet wet in the under-21s. And, and for jo- someone like Josh, who's actually actively been part of the Jersey flag in the last year, uh, or you know, he's going to be there, no doubt. So not the end of the line, like I said, and they'll go on to bigger and better things in 2021. Now, on to the senior football. Uh, in the Jersey flag, speaking of, 
they had two losses to start their season, so they desperately needed a win, and they got one against the Sydney Roosters at the second leg of a triple header at Bank West on Sunday. Uh, I'm so used to it being the first game, but because of the TV broadcast, that was actually the second. Uh, so for the Eels in that 24-10 victory, Caleb Tohi started the scoring with Jaden Yates, Charbel Tassapali, and Jaden Skinner all getting over the line. Kyle Schneider continuing a trend for some of these teams, uh, fourth and fourth, the kicking D, so another perfect day off the boot. Uh, Ham, you were out there for this one. I was at a family barbecue, unfortunately. Uh, how did you make of this one? It was good to see the Eels get their season underway, but you told me that it wasn't necessarily a, a compelling victory. I think that they're a bit hard done by being the second game on this day just because of the speed, intensity, and the uh, thrilling player that we saw in the Canterbury Cup. But, yeah, this game seemed to be played at quarter speed of the game beforehand. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's always good to get a win. Um, but it was just... It's a dour game. I don't really remember much from it, if I'm honest, just because. Come that's that's fair minutes, because, like you said, the try. the New South Wales Cup game was a very high standard for the Eels, and then obviously you're looking forward to the main event, which was a disappointment, but it's still the main event. So, wedged in between is a very tough break. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to work on with this team. I think that they will be boosted by um, some players game uh, promoted up from SG Ball, but I also think that. Um, well, their stand, the standout player for mine was Tarsi James, who has been uh, rewarded with a promotion to 18th man for reserve grade um, upcoming. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Jeez, um, Sam. But, yeah, he just looked like a man amongst boys out there. Um, other good players, Caleb Tohey, or a lot of exactly what we expect from Caleb Tohey. Yeah, good, good to see him back from a broken thumb, was it, him? Yes. Yeah, so he's back, and he is just an absolute wrecking ball. Um, he is so hard to tackle. We saw that in the NRL Schoolboys Cup late last year, and we've seen it in the SG Ball uh, for numerous games. So great to see Caleb back. And they've actually list- mistakenly listed him at 5'8", amusingly, on the uh, the game report here. <laughs> but um, it was Kyle Schneider at 5'8", and Caleb was in the forward pack. Yes, that's correct. And um, But yeah, outside of Tarsi James and Caleb, um, wasn't really much to look forward to in this game. Uh, not look forward to, I think there's some potentially some good players. But, yeah, the first try hadn't come by the 20th minute. Um, it was just very slow, bit of a dour game, bit of drop ball between the two teams. Um, but they're 21, 20 to 21 years old, so uh, that's why they're in this grade is to develop their game. And, and it was a significant win for the Eels in the sense that the top four are already at three wins in this competition, the Panthers, the Tigers, the Dragons, and the Sharks. And the, Eel, like the Eels aren't technically within touching distance because they're two games behind, but it keeps them within – you know, another team dropping a game and them getting within touching distance. So in order to stay in the hunt for the top six and maybe the top four long-term, they needed to grab this one and they did it. So even if it was a bit of a dour result, it is a building block to move forwards from. And like we said earlier, there's going to be reinforcements from this grade from below, not necessarily from the, the reserve grade because we going to get to that game where there was a number of young stars. But yeah, they got the season underway. So well done to the lads. Speaking of reserve grade, uh, on TV on Sunday at 1.15 kickoff, the Premier Eels put on a show, 40-8 to 8 over the, Illawar, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Sorry, uh, Hayes Dunst, the start of the show, followed by Jacob Arthur, who nabbed the double, Solomon Inaiduki, Sean Russell, Jordan Rankin, and Ellie Elzikaham also scored. Jordan Rankin, 6 from 7 from the kicking tee. Uh, a very, very good game. This one was very fun to watch, wherever you were at the game live or watching on TV. Absolutely. I think that pretty much from the opening kickoff, there was a couple of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, couple of uh, sets that were traded and then Parramatta's broke them apart from there. It's just classy football from our halves. I think our halves absolutely dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can talk about the back line and the forwards laying the platform, but boy, did the halves capitalise on that, particularly Jacob Arthur. Um, 
it's his probably it's definitely his best game that he's played at this yeah, grade. It was a statement game from young Jake, and he did oh. it in front of his younger brother and his his old man as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think just every every aspect of his game was just professional, um, which we sort of expect from uh, your best half talent coming through the grades. You want just a bit of professionalism, and he was helped out by the old head. I say old, he's 28 years old, uh, in Jordan Rankin. <laughs> he looks so. an old head, but Jordan, for as much as he's been around, is still relatively young. And he provided a great foil for Jake. Um, I liked the set plays that they put on, whether it be that uh, – we were talking about it before the pod, but that – it was just disgustingly beautiful, that ruck play. Yeah, there. the outside-inside. back across. Mm-hmm. And it was just – it was, what, outside-inside – Inside, to, yeah, to the sport runner back on the inside, yeah, to Jakey, yeah, yeah. Uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful yeah. football. You saw the the reverse banana grubber from Jake to Sean that nearly came off. Um, they just and for Sean Russell too, this was an important game because he'd been struggling a little bit in this grade, but this was a, a sort of maybe coming confidence of age boost. confidence boost. He he looked like he belonged, and even in a game, he, he made a line break and dropped the ball because he was trying to trying to shift grips and heading into contact and grasp it. But he just looked so good out there. He was diffusing kicks with like there was one one kick late in the game where it was a towering bomb into his red zone and he just said it's mine from the moment it came off and just ran about fifteen meters and leapt above everyone and took it like that that told you where he was mentally for this game which was beautiful to see. So um, if you're ever out watching this cup team and Sean Russell is playing, just watch the way he runs, watch his feet. He does this. It's not even a goose step. It's just the way he runs, the way he positions his feet. He's just such a beautifully balanced runner of the mm. football. And I think that once he comes of age, builds himself up physically, I think he's going to be he's – got, he's got the fundamentals there. He's got the fundamentals there. Yeah. He's got something, to me, a bit of an X factor. So, oh, yeah. and you've got to talk about Will Penasini. Yeah, big, big Will I Penasini. Mean, <laughs> just a casual 138 metres from 13 runs. You know, no, nothing big. But um, Will continuing to look very at home in this grade. Was much better defensively this week, which is what we really want to see from him because we know that he is devastating with the ball in hand. But, you know, continuing the polish, you know, the other side of the game is what's going to get him in the first grade sooner rather than later. So a good showing from Will. Um, shout out to both the flankers. Hayes Dunster, uh, 13 runs, 157 metres. Uh, looks very good. And big Solomon in Iduki, 15 runs, 214 metres with just the one line break. So he wasn't exactly yeah. stat padding there. He was very good. Um, didn't panic when he got into open space too, which is what you love to see. He could have tried to force an offload, but took the tackle, which eventually led to a try later. So um, I thought he was going to score. He, he, he went very close. He sort of did almost did the uh, the Sevo against uh, uh, Blake Asher when he scored that try, but uh, or set up the try. Sorry, but yeah, um, very good effort from Solomoni. Um, the entire forward pack was very solid. Uh, Wiramu Greg was you know good as a starter again. Makahesi Makatol was very workmanlike. Uh, Keegan Hipgrave was excellent. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Keegan because he's caught a bit of flack in first grade because he's had very limited opportunities and hasn't really had a chance to excel. But he played the eighty minutes this week and was very good, had some dominant runs, and like Ham said to me when we were discussing this game pre-show, uh, was very disciplined. No stupid penalties, no silly errors, just led the way for a young team and, and really laid the platform for his halves. Absolutely. I think, you know, when you – I've just watched the uh, replay today. I've recorded it on Fox. And Spud Carroll made a very good point that when you're a first grader coming back into reserve grade, you can't – you shouldn't treat it as a demo- – it is a demotion in a sense – but you shouldn't treat it as that because it's it's also unfair on the rest of your teammates. Whereas Keegs went back there, he worked his butt off, he led by example, he, he led in the forward pack, he provided a good platform for his halves. That's what you want to see from uh, a first grader coming back to reserve grade and that's what will make uh, a proper reserve grade competition. Mm-hmm. You know, back when you had three grades at the football, 
you would see first graders in reserve grade playing just because, you know, they might be a little bit older or they just couldn't crack the first grade team and it made the reserve grade a really strong competition. That's what yes, we sir. need to see. We don't need to see, um, you know, players cracking the shits because they can't make no, the first and, grade and team. No, and you're or, trying to set an example for young guys that this is how you approach being in reserve grade, whether it's an opportunity to develop from a young kid or a guy that gets bumped back down because of, you know, being surplus to requirements in the NRL. You know, you this is your – every game is an audition for first grade one way or another. And and credit to Keegan Hipgrave. He had a fantastic game and and really helped the Eels control the middle throughout that uh, contest. Uh, one last shout-out, um, the rig, Nathaniel Roach, continues to impress the dummy half. Another good game where he, he constantly uh, teased the uh, ruck defenders with uh, timely darts and, and just being really hard to tackle. So uh, And just smart play. There was – I think it was for the – I'm going to say it was a Sean Russell break where he dropped the ball. But the way he positioned his body, he was going to pass left. But he actually backed away and then quickly turned back to his right so that the defense thought he was going to be going left. He went right, and all of a sudden you had you created that overlap, which uh, I think it was Rankin or maybe it was Elzakem got one of them. Maybe it was Elzakem, yeah. Yeah, defender and was able to get the offload away to Russell. Um, unfortunately, you know, as we said, Sean wasn't able to hold on to that ball. But that all that was all from Nathaniel Roach, that, that uh, line break. And, and the, it happened two passes before the – or it happened to pass before the actual pass. The Eels uh, climb into the top four in the back of that result. Uh, they are in fourth place behind the Magpies, who beat them the week before. The North Sydney Bears and the Penrith Panthers, who are the only undefeated team in the competition at this point. Mm. And I'm just trying to figure out, do we – this must be a top six. I don't think they've posted their yeah, finals. Yeah, it has to be because there's only 12, 12 teams. Yeah. There. So they haven't actually posted their, their final still. So it's got to be a top, it's not six. A top eight. <laughs> well, yeah. Before we move on, I only watched the first half of that game, but that's two weeks in a row where, like, sort of the defensive line has sort of like underestimated Jacob Arthur's running game because the tries he scored, there was literally he practically went over untouched and mm. no one was near him. So, like, do you think teams are thinking, oh, he's he's going to be passing it all there? Like. Does he have a run game, or is it just a he's, bad he's, defense? As a very young half, that was the weakest aspect of his game. But uh, through his uh, junior SG ball season into the NRL Schoolboy Cup, he really—you could see—he worked on that game, that part of his game significantly. Um, and he's he's been much better at it, and he's carried that through to reserve grade. So I think that maybe the the early scouting reports on him might still be reading that you know he prefers the pass or kick, and he's not that strong at running. But he's definitely caught some teams out, like you said, Birdie. I also think it's good halfback work. Because he's setting up before that run, I don't think he actually ran the ball. So he's given his early, he's given his outside man early mm. ball. So and it, it come off a scrum, didn't it? Yeah, he had one off a scrum. Yeah, I yeah. Believe. So it was, it was off. It was off. A, it was off a set. Play. It looked yeah, like it, a set it was. Play it was a set play one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So and the shape was out left, and he'd been passing all before that. So the defense going well. He's going to pass. Bang left foot. In behind, and I think that one thing that's facilitated that really nicely is that for a young halfback, he's got a very he's got a very good way of organising his inside runner, the the sort of turn back option, whether it's a forward or his fullback. Um, he, he's sort of kept the defence on their feet for the threat of that ball. So when he throws the bar pass inside, he can then turn to a dummy eventually and uh, catch someone cheating back on the inside. Well, right. that's how he uh, created the overlap for the Naiduki try. Yes, exactly. He had Sean back on his inside yep. there, and he took it right into the line. And it kept uh, Mossadreki on his toes because he's going, well, I've got to carry two players here. And then he got stuck and then it was just the outball to uh, Oldfield and it 
simple pass to Naiduki who scored in the corner. Yes, sir. So that caps off a, a massive week for the Eels, their last uh, week of full junior oh, action. I just want to just add this disclaimer at the end. Uh, despite how much we're talking about Jacob Arthur here, he's still only 19 years old or still possibly only 18 years old. I don't know what his birthday is. Um, for me, he's still 12 to 18 months away from Yeah, and that, that's a disclaimer that goes for a lot of these guys in the team is that they're very fun to watch and, you know, we're going to get very pumped with big games and, and great individual performances. But, you know, the, the one that's closest right now, obviously we remember Greg who joined the team via the Cowboys, but uh, even Will Penasini, who's gotten a lot of hype in the media, you know, we're going to say he's had great games and people are going to say, well, why is he playing first grade? It's because, you know, he's not quite polished defensively and that still even in attack, it's going to be times where he needs to know when not to force his hand and when to go inside or when to, you know, do a certain thing. So, we're going to pump him up, but don't take that as like get him into first grade. Yeah, Alpha needs like two, maybe three years in the gym just to get a bit bigger. Like he, you know, he's a bit broader on the shoulders, but you know, put him on a bit of kilos. Go, go to Carl's Junior, man. Get a. Get <laughs> I'll shout you, Carl's Junior. I, I reckon that Jakey's going to be on the protein shakes and the burgers, pretty pretty heavy. Um, moving forwards to try and um, grow into that I mean, frame. I mean, you can blend the burger up. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that, that caps off a, a very busy weekend for the Eels, their last full action from the junior reps uh, with both the ball and the gale bowing out. And they actually were five from five coming into the NRL game for a chance to make it the full six sweep. But the Eels obviously falling short in the big dance, which um, they hopefully bounce back from next week, which now takes us into the NRL news. And not much for the Parramatta Eels, just a little bit, which we'll get to, but Going around the NRL first, um, we've had retirements from Jake Friend and Michael Morgan. Friend for concussions, Michael Morgan for a shoulder, which had a, a screw, I think, break it, uh, off. So he's got a completely busted shoulder after multiple operations. So a couple of our key players are retiring for the Roosters and the Cowboys there. And uh, in coaching news, John Morris has left the Sharks effective immediately. Uh, Craig Fitzgibbon signs on for three years from 2022, bringing along Cameron Serrato as a headhunted assistant coach. And in the interim, uh, do you boys want to do the honours for who's going to coach? Uh, Cowboys legend, yeah. Josh Hannay. Josh Hannay, who was a caretaker coach for the Cowboys last year. So he's um, got some uh, runs on the board in that regard, but the Cowboys weren't exactly <laughs> very productive in his tenure. So uh, the, the Sharks are packing it in for 2021, it looks like, and maybe they'll get some upset victories. But Josh Morris, very hard done by there. But there's been a lot of media speculation about this for months. So it's not a surprise to see it come to a head. And uh, – uh, it looks like Morris is left on his term, so credit to him. And he'll fall on his feet. He'll land. A, he'll pick up a, a, an assistant coaching gig at a number of clubs. I'd say. Fingers crossed, as Parramatta. I think he's done a very good job uh, with the salary cap capped Sharks. Um, having Andrew, Andrew, uh, you could list them all on. Yeah. Um, Sean Johnson, my, uh, Matt Moyle, and Josh Dugan. There's a lot of uh, cap baggage at the Sharks on top of Flanagan's general mess that he left the club in. And I think that he's got them playing. Good footy, potentially, you know, top eight footy, depending on. I mean, they've been top eight two years in his, um, two times in his tenure. So, and obviously, the stat that gets held over him is that he hasn't beaten a top eight club uh, throughout his time at the Sharks. But once again, but he's still beaten the bottom eight. Yeah, club. he's he's won the games he's meant to win. He's been very close in a lot of those top eight clashes, uh, and was you know unlucky even this year insofar as he pushed us with a heavily injured uh, team. He pushed the Roosters with a heavily injured team. Um, just. Yeah, hard done by, and it feels like there's an agenda there at play with the board trying to get their man for one reason or another. So, you know, unlucky for him. Craig Fitzgibbon walks into a, a better situation than Trent Barrett, but the pressure's going to be on. Yeah, Bradley Arthur, I reckon you should be keeping an eye out because uh, I think he'd be a very good assistant coach. Who, who, 
are our assistant coaches. I know Kidwell's there. Yeah, Dave Kidwell, uh, Steve Murphy, and Ryan Carr technically is the New South Wales Cup coach, but also a pseudo assistant coach. So we've got a pretty, we've got a fairly busy roster in that regard, and with the new soft cap for coaching and. I mean, and, you can still you can count Johns as an assistant, coach and and that, that's does. also true. Is that Andrew Johns is pretty much an assistant coach. He's got two or three sessions a week, um, and is obviously probably on the phone to the players as well. So, but but if we hide him, does that push someone out, or like do you reckon that? No, it's a so, uh, it's a not soft cap. You can always it's a soft cap. So I think you pay a tax or a, some sort of tax. I mean, other soft caps in sports, uh, if you go above it, you pay a tax back to the main body, which is then redistributed to the competition itself. I don't know if it's. Maybe he could just be Brad Arthur's water boy or something, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They'll get the job done. And and I assume he'd be getting a payout from the Sharks too. So maybe, you know, you could work out a deal that's maybe less uh, financially burdensome on the club for the first year or so as he gets, you know, double-dipped income. I don't know. But, yeah, that, that's the general NRL news. For the Eels, there is a little bit of important news. Uh, Dylan Brown ruled out for one game after taking the early guilty plea for one of the most innocuous crushes I've ever seen against the Dragons. I had to actually go back and see this one, and Tyrell Fumano doesn't even flinch. Like, he doesn't even react, and they managed to get him for a crusher. So it would have been two weeks if he fought it and lost, and the Eels take the early guilty plea, which I, I can understand, because given the NRL stance on crushes of late, uh, you're not going to win that fight. Uh, but guess who did? Oh, Jesse no. Marshkey. Yeah. Oh, was it Jesse Marshkey or Ben Marshkey? Uh, uh, ben. 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 ben Mar- well, the Eels yeah. have had a horrendous track record of the judiciary, even when they employ some of the best uh, in the business. I think we've actually employed yeah. the guy that the Roosters have used in the past to win some rather bullshit cases, and we still don't get the results. So um, sort of not throwing caution to the wind there, just uh, playing it safe and taking the one-game medicine. Um, and in the same game, Quinton Gufferson, with the last try that the Dragons scored, cited for a not dangerous contact, but for a high shot on Adam Clune, which once again was absolutely rubbish. But for Gufferson, it only attracted a fine. But the concern now is that he will have loading towards a future incident in that regard. See, he should fight that and say it was a forward pass, so therefore the play was dead when he knocked him out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, 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 didn't, we didn't fight that one, unfortunately. Uh, and the other bit of news out of that one, poor Ray Stone, uh, back in the injury ward for shoulder injury, and he's not uh, scheduled back to round nine or ten now, so he's out for a while. Yeah, unfortunately for Stoney, I think he's getting a bit more time off the bench. Um, it's just injury-plagued first-grade career. Had a, had a career game two weeks ago, 140 metres, scored a, an incredible try, and then backs it up a week and a half later by getting hurt, poor bastard. So no no good for him there, and we hope that he makes a, a speedy recovery, but at the same time, you don't want to ring back too soon uh, and force the issue to recur. So that brings us, that is all the NRL news, right, boys, or at least the relevant stuff? Oh, Wanga Blake's still out. Wanga Blake out indefinitely still per the club, although back in round two, we got a four to six week time frame period from Brad Arthur. So unless there's been complications, he should be in the mix soon. Um, if not this week, maybe, but we don't know. Calf injuries can be so tricky as we saw with Mitchell Moses in 2020. And once again, you don't want to force the issue right and bring it back worse. So they're going to play that one uh, by ear, I'd say. And, and given that Marauder's doing a decent job and you've got Michael Oldfield back looking okay in the centres too, there's, there's options now for the Eels at least. And that is the NRL news. Let's move on the previews quickly as we make good time this week. Uh, it's a it's a bad week to be a supporter that wants to get out the games. There's no junior reps because the ball and the gale are out, and the mats uh, the mats have got a week one bye to the NRL to the grand final play. And sorry, um, the flag are out at Bloody Manly. The reserve grade is out at Canberra, and the NRL is out at Canberra. So it's a, a bad week for that, but they're still playing at least. So looking at the team lists, starting with the Jersey flag. A couple of changes this week as uh, Dean Feeney's boys go out to the Northern Beaches to take on a Manly team that I think are they above them on the ladder? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh no, they're right? below them. Yeah, that's right. They are, they are below them. I think they're they're one win, but lesser for and against Manly. So that's a, a good thing for the Eels there. But they look like this with Tavita Massima at fullback, Matt Komalafi and uh, Marley Townsend on the flanks, Penny Tohi and Jaden Skinner in the centres, Clayton Falolo and Nick Tilburg are the six and seven respectively. Caleb Tohi named a prop, even though he's more of a traditional lock forward, and he'll partner Jack Colavati in the front row. Kyle Schneider is the number nine and the goal kicker. Ollie Clements, Matt Dragasic promoted to the starting back row, and Jaden Yates at lock forward. Dragasic in there for, for Sharbel Tassapali, who gets a call up to New South Wales Cup. On the bench, Ethan LeBlanc, Mark Tepu Smith, Lennox Whitaker, and Valence Harris. Um, no SG ball call ups at this point in time, but that's not a surprise for the most part because they need a little bit of time to. Uh, ease into the Jersey Fleet system. They'll give them usually sort of three to four weeks if my memories uh, serve me correctly based on on the last few years. Um, nothing too surprising here, Ham, is there? No, it's a bit of a cut and paste job. Yeah. Um, Tavita Massimo and Matt Conlaffey weren't named last week, but they did take part in that game. So they actually are officially back this week in the starting lineup. But like I said, they took part in that win over the Roosters. Um, but yeah, the big the big one there, Caleb Toey at prop. But I wonder if I'll manipulate the forward pack in some way anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, he pretty much plays like a prop. So, well, that that's the thing is he's such a wrecking ball and, and has no regard for his body in a good way. So he'll he'll um, give it his all. But yeah, they're coming up against a reinforced Seagulls team. They've got Trevojevic back into the centres, um, a Jack Burt who's been pretty good from dummy half, played a trial match for them, and Sione Finer, who's the younger brother of of Stabby Stabby. Yeah, what's his name? Um, not Moses. Um. Menezi, 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 fine. That's the one, Menezi, fine. Yeah. Um, so you're not sure if they've been playing. Um, they didn't play last week. I just had a quick look, but um, they're a bit bolstered there. So it'd be a tough ask to, for the shocking, uh, shocking lack of Eels juniors in that team. Pardon? Sh- shocking lack of Eels juniors in that team. Uh, Flynn Angeles Cork is one. Uh, Sioni Fine, who comes from the Parramatta district. Technically, yeah, but he was recruited very yeah. early because his brother went across. Yeah. And I feel like. Jankovic Zach on the bench. Fulton? There's um some relation to Bozo there, it looks like. I think Jankovic on the bench is um Rakjo older Jankovic. brother of Vlado, Vlado. Or, uh, relation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Eels have a chance to push back and uh, consolidate, you know, their position towards the top six. And that game is on at twelve o'clock on Saturday. So the early game for the Eels there on the triple block of Saturday action, which then takes us to the reserve grade game, which will be out at Canberra kicking off at uh five fifteen. Yeah, five fifteen PM kickoff up against a, a pretty decent Canberra Raiders-looking outfit. For the Eels, not too many changes, just the ones that have been enforced by NRL call-ups. Uh, Sean Russell at fullback with Naiduki and Dunster on the flanks. Will Penasini and Michael Oldfield are in the centres. Jordan Rankin and Jacob Arthur make up the two Jays in the halves. We remove Greg, Joey Lussick, Makahesi Makatoa at the front row. As I mentioned earlier, Shabel Tassapoli caught up to the cup and he gets a start on the edge with Ellie Elzegaham on the opposite side. Kai Rodwell at lock. Nathaniel Roach, Dave Hollis, Tim Lafay, Toa Mata-Arfa round out the uh, normal bench with Atasi James as Ham spoiled earlier in the podcast, getting a, a promotion to 18th man. And he'll probably be in the mix for this game, I reckon, um, given that one game's at Canberra and one game's at Brookvale. If they've named an 18th man, there's a good chance he'll be on the bus. Absolutely. Well, they've got to carry a... They're, uh, they're, ob- they're obligated to carry the concussion player. That's right. So um, Tarsi James is named in flag, but expecting to be in the cup in some capacity. Um, and yeah, the only changes there are the ones enforced by NRL call-ups. So Ryan Carr getting a bit of um, consistency from his uh, team, which you love to see. But they're taking on a pretty good outfit here. If I can just make sure I've got the game up here, sorry. Uh, the Raiders on paper are pretty good in this grade. In terms of the ladder, 
they are yeah they just blow the eels now uh they've played four times for two wins so they've got the same amount of wins as the eels but the eels obviously had uh one less game played at the moment because of the washout uh the raiders team uh is a bit weaker than it used to be because of guys being caught up because emre gula was here in the game that was meant to take place in round two um, but uh, you've got Albert Hopawati, I think Matthew Tomoko is a decent player. Matt Frawley's got plenty of experience. Uh, Dynamis Louie is a handy player. Corey Horsburgh still named in reserve grade. Uh, Corey Harrow here in Aira, so there's a couple of big names in the forward pack. So, Harry Rushton come over from Wigan. That's right, yeah, another another import there. So they've got their work cut out for them against a pretty handy team here, which is good. We want these young guys getting a good workout. So unfortunately, that one's not live, and we're only going to get half a report from him because he's not going to be out there for the full game. Because I'm a big old coward. Yeah, he's a I've big got to go coward. Dinner before yeah, he's got, I go to the football. Like camera. like me, the week before he's got familiar responsibilities he got to live up to. So hope he has a nice meal at least. I hope so. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold down in Canberra, it is have some energy to burn. But yeah, like like we've been saying, um, you know, you got to be prepared to take the bad results in this grade with a young team. But it's very fun to watch them develop, and you know, there's every chance that they give themselves a you know, the the opportunity to get a win. So very, very happy if they're, how they're traveling on the whole, looking forward to them putting up a, a good performance, hopefully. I think they'll be buoyed by the big win, so mm-hmm. I'm tipping a back-to-back. Ham's going big on the back-to-back. You love to see that one. And on to the main event, also out at Canberra, 7.35 p.m. kickoff. Uh, the Eels taking on the Canberra Raiders, naturally, given that it's out at Canberra. For the Raiders, they're not exactly full strength this week. Uh, Sean's Nickel Clockstar and Ryan James are out. So their lineup looks like this. Caleb Aikens at fullback after coming over from the Penrith Panthers. Uh, Bailey Simonson and Jordan Rapana on the flanks with Jared Croker captain the team in the centres alongside Curtis Scott. Jack Whiten and George Williams in the halves. Uh, front row of Josh Papali'i, very good player, and Isaiah Soliola uh, with Josh Hodgson in number nine. There was some uh, question marks over Hodgson's fitness coming to this game, but obviously he's uh, cleared at least the base protocols here, named in the starting team. Uh, very good back row of Hudson Young, Elliot Whitehead, and Joseph Tapene at lock forward. On the bench, they've got the dangerous Tom Starling alongside Ryan Sutton, Saliva Havili, and Emre Gula. Extended bench of Sebastian Chris, who's been dropped for... He got dropped for Curtis Scott. That's right, okay. Uh, Sebastian Chris, Matt Frawley, Corey Harrier, Nayera, and Dynamis Louie. Three of those names we just mentioned in the New South Wales Cup. Uh, for the Eels... Uh, a couple of changes. We've got Captain Clinton Gufson in the fullback, Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson, uh, alongside Tom Opachuk and Martin Corey in an otherwise unchanged backline. Will Smith promoted to the starting team to replace Dylan Brown for that one-game suspension. He'll be at 5'8", alongside Mitchell Moses in the halves. Front row is unchanged. Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Reed Marnie, and Junior Polo. Back row features Ryan Madison being named again, but we're not sure if he's going to play. He'll be there alongside Sean Lane and Nathan Brown. And on the bench, you've got changes enforced by the Will Smith promotion. So Oregon Kafusi and Isai Papali'i are there alongside Keegan Hipgrave and Bryce Cartwright. So Papali'i drops back to the bench from starting on the edge with Keegs the beneficiary of the uh, extra spot on the bench because of this Will Smith promotion. And he also deserved the call-up. Um, Bryce Cartwright gets a reprieve from a, a you know an uninspiring club debut. Extended bench off. Joey Lusick, Hayes Dunster, Wirimu Gregg and Jordan Rankin. Whew. Big mouth for their boys. Uh, where do we start this one? You want to talk about the Canberra Raiders? Do we think Ryan Madison's going to play? Uh, how do you think Will Smith's going to go? There's a bit to digest here. Um, I just want to start off saying I want boring football. <laughs> I want four hit-ups. Rock them, sock them, and knock them over. A kick, and I want a good kick. I don't. We don't need to be throwing off loads. We don't need to be going for miracle plays. I just want boring football. I want us to make 2,000 running meters again. I think that... Canberra Raiders have a very good pack. 
I think it's probably it's up there in the competition. It's up there. I've I've praised our pack. Um, I call it the best pack in the competition. I think it's between these two teams. I think big the, the other big papa the rep experience. Uh, Hudson Young's been amazing this year. Elliot Whitehead's a very good back roll. Tapanay is a huge grub but a decent player. And um, you bench. know behind behind all that, Josh Hodgson is so dangerous. So yeah, and like I said on the bench, Gawler, Havili, Sutton, they're all very useful contributors. Yep, I want Fergo to. Come in. I don't want him to go for the big jump try scoring. Like, if, if there's an obvious try scoring opportunity, you can go for it, Fergo. Just don't do it when there's free cover defenders and you're 12 meters out. Yep. I just want hard running, hard hitting, hard tackling football from us this week. I don't think we need to go out and blow this team off the park because I don't think we can. I don't think we will. I just want. Uh, the, it's been, a, it's I, been I, a, Obviously, I say boring football. I'm exaggerating. Oh, yeah. You take your opportunities when they're there, but play good fundamental football. Yeah. Um, it's obviously been an unhappy hunting ground for the Eels. Some of our uh, worst losses in recent memory have come there. I think there was a 19-0 shutout. Uh, and I, I think, think I've gone down to Canberra quite a few years now. I don't think – I've seen one win down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, I can't remember the last time we've beaten down there, to It's be tough, tough playing conditions when you're not used to the, the biting cold that Canberra has compared to Sydney. Um, the Canberra Raiders have been a good team in the recent years under Ricky Stewart's tenure. Uh, you know, And they match up pretty well against Parramatta. They play a brand of football that can be uncomfortable to deal with because they've got a big forward pack like Ham just mentioned, and they've got some explosive outside backs. And, you know, Jack Whiten is very dangerous. Josh Hodgson is very dangerous. So if you're caught slipping by any point defensively, those two will take you for the full mile. Um, but, you know, we know that this team can match up against the big dogs. They took the Melbourne Storm to task in round two, admittedly at Parramatta Stadium or Bankwest Stadium. But we know that they can match up. So if they, you know, get off to a good start, they'll be in a position to win. But to do that, um, you got to look at probably the spine here because we've got an adjustment. No Dylan Brown, Birdie. Do you think Will Smith takes a, a significant responsibility in the playmaking in this game, or do you think someone like Mitchell Moses gets his hands on the ball far more this week? Oh, no, I think um, I don't. I think he'll be like literally the third half out there. I reckon Guffey will come in and help, but it should be Moses. Moses will dominate. He'll you know he'll he'll probably touch the ball three four times in a set, and the one time he when he gets tackled, he'll go to Guffey. But um. Yeah, I think it'll be more of a defensive uh, game for Will Smith because, uh, look, he, I'm still – like, okay, he plays good, but I'm still scarred from that game. And every time he touches the ball or throws the pass, I'm going to be clinching. So He's had some great moments for us in 2021. Uh, yeah. I, I tend to agree that I think that Mitchell Moses will take on far more playmaker responsibility playmaking responsibilities, sorry. I was about to say responsibilities, which my my old man, who's a he's a pure bite Italian, he has some weird English quirks, and that's one of the ones he says responsibilities. And um, there you go. Uh, but to, to throw a curveball, because Mitchell Moses is going to be the focus, do you think that there's going to be a trick play for Will Smith? Because in the past, we've shown that we're, we can put on a trick play for Will Smith. Obviously, I think of the 2017 Week 1 final against Melbourne Storm, which featured Mitchell Moses and Will Smith combining. Um, do you think that there, there'll be a trick shot at some point in the game against the Raiders, whether it's a chip kick or some sort of switch of play, where the focus is Will Smith? Not sure if it'll so much be a trick play. I just think, you know, we could hit the right edge, but mm. we saw it in the, It might just be as easy as that, yeah, because, you know, we saw it I in, mean, in the preseason against the, the Dragons. Tigers, the Tigers aren't at the level of the Raiders, but we saw when Will Smith played against the Tigers last year, it was just it was basically as simple as going to Will Smith. He's got, ta- he's got talent, you know. There's a reason why he's played so many games that, in first grade. So, you know, just go to him and sort of go, well, we'll, you know, have a run-first mentality still, but... You know, use Laney, use uh, Murata. Mm-hmm. And I think that he can come up with some goods. But, yeah, you can't do that too often, obviously, because you want Mitchell taking ownership of this game. 
He can even be like just back up the forwards. Like if you see Nathan Brown running, just just be off and be like one of those. I don't know, one of those sucker fish that sucks to the sharks, or whatever, you know, like just, just be on them. I, 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 I symbiotic relationship. I was trying to do my best David Attenborough um, impersonation, but. Uh, and here we see the yeah. rare Will Smith in the wilderness as he backs up <laughs> from Nathan Brown. I mean, you, look, last year when Dylan Brown went down, what what did we do? You know, Guffo stepped in, but um, yeah, just. I'm not expecting much from him, and if he makes his tackles, you know, that's that's a start, and I'll be good. I'll be happy with that, but um, yeah. Ryan Madison. Fourth game in a row since getting that awful cheap shot from Felice Cafusi in round two. Fourth game in a row over his name to start, but he is yet to play. Does he take the field this week? I think he will. I, I think he will. You look at our reserves, and we're going with two utilities, a back and a prop forward. It, it definitely speaks towards going with the 17 players named. If he doesn't play, it opens up a very interesting scenario, though, doesn't it? Well... Joey Lussick, I think, would come onto the bench there. Yeah, well, Papa Lee goes to the edge, you'd think, but Bryce Cartwright could start, um, depending if they want more juice through the middle from Papa. Um, but Joey Lussick could come to the bench. Jordan Rankin could come to the bench if Brad Arthur wants a utility there. But if he wants to beef up against the big Canberra pack, where are Greg? Does he make a club debut? Does he make his NRL debut? I mean, he doesn't have a club photo, so I don't know about that. Well, we're joking earlier that, you know, you can't pick a player that hasn't got a profile picture. And I was, you know, it's like Air Bud. No, nowhere in what the about, rules that say the dog can't play basketball. What about this, right? I'm throwing, everyone, put your tinfoil hats on, right? What if Matto gets, let's just say Matto, they said to him, you're going to miss a month for football, right? So he drops off. Bryce Cartwright jumps in, right? Will Smith goes to the bench and your starting 5'8 is the veteran Jordan Rankin. How crazy am I and how drunk am I? How drunk are well, you? you don't drink, so you're just crazy. I, I'm just trying to think, like, well, there's <laughs> I mean, a reason that, that's, that's, some, like, that's some serious one. five head. I mean, it makes sense mechanically. Rankin plays 5 8. It gives you. He plays on the right. He plays on the right. There you go. Gives you, you know, Will Smith back as your utility on the bench. Yep. You know, so it's not it's not the, the craziest idea, but, you know, it, we'll put that down in the Birdies predictions. So alongside FTS <laughs> in the margin, he's got Jordan Rankin the start. Uh, well, I was going to say first try score of Jordan Rankin. First take, that is ultra big Mate, brain. That's galaxy brain. The first brain. try, the first goal, the first field goal. We're that's, going to repeat the whole bank worst thing. That's, wow. <laughs> is that is that $51 or $151 when you that, – That's $1,000, mate. Picking a player yeah, yeah, yeah. in the 21 jersey. <laughs> in the 21 to score first try. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know those old footy, when you go to the footy, you get those little double um, things you get oh, from the, the doubles. Uh, yeah, the old yeah, doubles. The doubles. Yeah. Do, they, do they have a TBA player announced, you know, just in case? Cause, no. Like, uh, there, there is provisions when that happens, but I don't know what it means, like what it, how it goes. So it was, um, say if you had the six and it was supposed That's to be. That's right, and it gets replaced. Whoever replaces. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Yeah. So if the 21 comes and if in. nobody scores, it's the number nine you want. Oh, I remember, I remember my dad used to say, if you get – both nice, just throw your ticket away. <laughs> whoever, whoever's, yeah. um, whoever's. Oddly enough, I think a couple of weeks ago at a game had both the hookers scored the first try. It so might the Warriors. Any game. any Canterbury Banks down Bulldogs game, the number nine is the most prized uh, doubles card you can get on the Canterbury side. <laughs> um, I'm telling uh, you've brought back memories for me, Birdie. There with the <laughs> I used to love no, them, I, and I you know, I'm not gonna lie, I did alright with them. I, I won a couple of times, and uh, yeah, I did alright. Proceeds going to junior football. I, I used to have a little. Uh, thing that I would do. I would never open them until both teams had scored. No, I used to open them straight away. Uh, no, it's Schrodinger's <laughs> doubles ticket. Because it, it could be a winner, but it could also be a loser. So I love it. We've got like high-level physics principles involved in the podcast now. 
This is yeah, this could, doubles. Yeah. And, and like seriously, the, the prize was like a hundred bucks. I mean, a hundred bucks, you know, I'm not. I don't want to sound boomer here, but like a hundred bucks back in you know 2005 and six, that's a yeah, lot of money. It goes, it goes a long way. Pay for yeah. Now yeah. that's barely one drink in the body east of some of the bars. All right, last talking point from this game, boys. Obviously, we want to see a, a better performance from the pack in general. But the the most divisive player in the team, probably the selection of Bryce Cartwright. What does he need to do this week? We've already spoken about it a little bit in in being critical of him from the round five fixture. But what's his role? Just come on and do his job. So run, like job, primarily is to run hard, make sure he doesn't slip up in defense like he did against the Dragons at the end. If he, if we need to score points, come on and you know try and do be that. more aggressive. Be if more he opportunistic. Just to, if we just need to consolidate and get it twenty minutes out of him, come on and do that. Yeah, if I'm the trainer, I'm going out there with sticky tape and put it on his hand so he doesn't throw the ball, you know, away. <laughs> just let him hold the ball. And <laughs> yeah, as Ham said, you know, in this game, look, I'm no professional rugby league player, but. From what I've seen from watching, you can't go in with one skill set. You have to evolve the game, and like in game, you have to like you can't be just the same, you know, same thing over and over. Like for him, as as Ham said, if we're if we're on the front foot and we're winning and we're doing well, then you can throw the offload. But if we need to do like the nitty gritty stuff, man, just tuck the ball under. You've got to change the game. Until he does that, he you know I don't want to talk shit about him. He might be just like one of those players that just floats around the league. So you know, just evolve, cut Bryce and. You know, you'll be amazed what you can do when you when you tuck the ball into the arm. And that's it. So kick off 7.35 p.m. on Foxtel or KO or any sort of international broadcast if you're outside of Australia and you're listening to the podcast for some reason. We do love to hear from you if that's the case. Um, but yeah, uh, Eels 5th, Raiders 8th. Yet another top 8 clash for the Eels. Um, as, as easy as their schedule's been on paper, they've actually had a fair few top 8 clashes to start the year. So Unlike Panthers who have literally won. But they don't going, going, like going, going back now... So Eels, obviously you ignore round one because, you know, it's literally just alphabetical. Um, but Eels Storm, Eels Sharks, and Eels Dragons have all been top eight clashes. So been a, a surprisingly tough start to the season for Eels, and they're still four and one. And as disappointing as that one loss was, opportunity to consolidate back into the top four for win over the Raiders. So good position. And on that note, let's move on to predictions, boys. So we're going to get FTS margin, and sometimes Birdie likes to throw in LTS too. So... Starting with Birdie, what do you got for us this week, mate? Are you going to go with Jordan Rankin? Are you going to go with the wild card? Yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just screw it. Let's just go. Jordan Rankin, he's going to run the 99-meter <laughs> intercept off a Jackson Whiting pass. And at the end, he's going to do chip and chase to get the super coach numbers up. And, yeah, he's going to kick the first goal, go back, kick a two. two uh, so he's taking the kicking duties from Mitchell Moses yeah. as well. And before you know, we're leading, you know, like, what is it, uh, 9-0. And, yeah. And, 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 and on, on top of that, he's going to get Simbin for doing something stupid and – He's going to have the whole thing. On, on the on the is slim it? on the slim chance yeah. that he isn't picked from the twenty one jersey, who's going to take the first try score from him in the sliding doors game? Uh, uh, so legit. Um, I think uh, I think Sivo will get one. You know, like yeah, I don't know. Like him and Ravalava might have a rivalry, and you know, you can put down the points to Ravalava. So I think you know, big bounce back game from Sivo, just like every Eels fan's hoping. So he'll be first try scorer. I reckon we'll win twenty six twenty four. It'll come down to a penalty goal. That will kick before half time. And uh, last try scorer, I'm going to go just scrolling around. I'll go hip grade. See me shoulder over the, over the try line. All right, but good yeah. stuff. And Ham? So we discussed before about the last time Parramatta won in Canberra. And I remembered back, and it was actually the first time that I'd made the trip down to Canberra in 2006. Yeah. So time. going back in my memories, my terrible, terrible memories, I'm pretty sure. A young Fijian winger scored two tries that game. So I'm going to go 
Mike Acevo, not only first try scorer, but a double. And here's another tip to throw it back to that game. Brownie's going to score a try, the lock, and it's going to be 18-12 to Parramatta. Ooh. Who I was mean, the winger back then? Uh, Voldemort. Oh. Uh, yeah, the old J.H. Yeah. He who must not be named. Even though we name him quick like regularly in the podcast, because yeah. as much as much as you can condemn his actions off the field, it's kind of silly to scrub. Away oh, his, I get you. Yeah, the <laughs> to scrub away his uh, comp, like his significant history on the field. So you just you don't go out of, don't go out of your way to praise him, but you know, nah. yeah. So I, I you thought. Um, I was thinking, hang on, did Semi did Semi play back then? Like I'm thinking, nah, Semi's on <laughs> no, that. Oh, uh, <laughs> why is Catavarada? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Justin from Hamish who is still boycotting the podcast, but has put in a prediction. He's going to go for Wirimu Greg off the extended roster to get the first try, sco- uh, try scorer. So coming off the shadow bench onto the bench to be first try scorer. And he's tipping the Eels to win 19-0 with three field goals. So, yes, that obviously a, a completely fallacious prediction from our yeah. absent leader. But uh, in, lieu of him, in lieu of him not being here, you know, sometimes the predictions get pretty crazy for him. So I mean, the whole podcast gets a bit crazy. We talk about That's true. Stupid shit, you know. It's true. Um, and for Baltimore. for me, I'm <laughs> going to go. Bloody, uh, I'm going to go Sean Lane first try scorer. As much as he's been down, he's going to have an up to start this game. And this this is a game where you could very much see the Canberra Raiders prevailing. They're so hard to beat in the capital. But you're a coward if you're tipping against the Eels. So to not be a coward. Uh, I've got some breaking news. Uh-oh. One person tipped the Dragons last week, and there's proof on our tipping comp now. I'm going to have a quick look because I know it's one Hamish. I don't know which Hamish it is. So, Hamish, Ham, do you want to admit something or is that the boss? What? Well, someone tipped the Dragons in our NRL comp tipping last oh, could week. Have been. I don't put my tips on in that competition. So you would have got the away team then if that's the case. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> oh, no. You're lucky, man. Oh, what? Oh, no, I'll explain later. It's okay. But, for, yeah, for my predictions, Shoreline the score. Uh, likely to see the Raiders prevail, honestly. But, like I said, you're a coward if you tip against the Eels. Eels to win in a pretty tough one. I'll go 14-10. Oh, so all low-scoring games. Yeah, though. I mean, I, I can't see us put on a score on the Raiders. Uh, they're they're a very solid defensive outfit in you know their ideal conditions at home. Um, and you know even against the the Melbourne Storm where we played a great game, it was still a very time a very tight one. So I'd love to see us put a score on. Um, you know, but that that sort of makes the game that much more pleasant when they exceed your expectations. And uh, anything else, boys, to go before we go? Oh yeah, I, I didn't. We didn't talk about it last week. But how how big does a uh, Sean Lane's haircut look like that alien from Simpsons movie? <laughs> yeah, when Mister Burns had the injection. Yeah, yeah. So put, put him in a flying white not... put him in a flying white gown and get some radioactive uh, eyes going, and he's going to be looking like Mister Burns from that episode. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, no doom and gloom. Obviously, it sucks to have your first loss, but the Eels looking to bounce back against the, a very oh. good team. Actually, before we go, and I, you know, this could be a question for the listeners if we have any. Um, what I got into a Twitter fight. Listen here, I'm usually behave behave all the what, time. This time it was, was it was it a day of the week ending in Why Birdie? You got into a Twitter fight? Oh yeah, pretty much. I got I got yeah. It's just this stupid idiot. He's saying Is that he's a contributing. <laughs> he's contributing to our like 30k membership because we're playing well. Even though I dropped the facts that from 2013 2018. We made the finals once, but we had we broke our record six years in a row. Like, do you value um, memberships more or crowd attendance more um, for the team? I, I think the membership is way more important than um, attendance. And, and for the Eels, they've been growing both consistently and throughout tough periods too. So I, I don't understand why that's seen as a criticism. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. 
Because then you also realize, like, like away teams, like you look at when we versus the Broncos, we have, you know, Ham went to the Broncos game in round uh, one. There's plenty of Eels fans there. Like, is that down to the Broncos? Or is that down to us? Like, I think memberships is more like you can gauge on how value your fan base is because that's every year you're going to pay. So, yeah. Well, that's the thing, like, as we saw uh, at round two this round two when we played the Storm. Yeah, round two. Round two. There's only 10,000 people there. You know, obviously it was wet and whatever. Those external factors did that. But Storm fans don't travel and you don't really expect them to because they don't really have any. Um, whereas the Dragons on the weekend, we had 25,000, but Dragons fans travel. I think for the most part, Parramatta fans travel, South fans travel, uh, Penrith fans don't travel, Manly fans don't travel, uh, Sydney Roosters fans, quotation marks fans don't really travel <laughs> except for that one bloke with the giggity giggity sign. Uh, so good on him. Good on him. Uh, for traveling so much, but you know, there's clubs that travel well and there's clubs that don't travel well, and yeah. that's what makes up a attendance. So, I mean, in the end, it's a Titans fan. So, how much do they really know? I well, mean, they're not even relevant this they're, year. They're best, know, like, their best so. membership came on the back of he who must be, not be named rocking up for <laughs> for a half a season before bombing them. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, people like to fight over stupid things. So that that is the moral of that story. And on that note, you know, we, we like to talk about stupid things, but at least we don't fight too much on the podcast because we love each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and on that bromance note, uh, let's wrap it all up, guys. Hope we get Hamish back sooner rather than later. Like we said, he's very busy with the International Rugby League Federation, uh, but he will get back to us at some point. And hopefully the Eels get a win on the weekend. Thanks for stopping by as always. That's it. And uh, thanks to Bertie and Ham for keeping us company. We'll catch you guys on the other side. Guys, have a good one. <laughs>